welcome back to the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast. In the event that you were today years old when you found out that the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast was a thing, well, welcome and thank you for joining. Hopefully you will make this a repeat routine part of every week moving forward. So I didn't provide a whole lot of updates last week since I had Whitney Nicole on the episode with me. And to be honest, don't really have a whole lot of updates for you this week. So we're going to focus primarily on the topic. I do want to give everyone a heads up that with the novel that I am working on that I've completed, but I'm now editing um, probably around 65, 70% through the first pass edit of that. I've also done a little bit of research on Amazon and Kim as far as how to do the self-publishing. I have even gone so far as to design the first mock-up of the cover of the book. Not sure that's the one I'm going to end up using. I'm on the fence with it, um, but I am making progress and I'm excited to have this released and available for y'all to go purchase in the very near future. Another thing I realized in regard to the podcast is I am going to have to start listening to the last 40-ish episodes if I want to do a best of episodes 50 through 90 eight or so to get myself right before the hundredth episode. I need to go back, figure out which clips or aspects I think are the funniest and the best. Try and parse those down into one or two digestible episodes. And that'll be great for trying to attract new listeners. And hopefully some of you will enjoy hearing some of the little snippets or funnier moments of the podcast over the last several months. I find it odd that I'm going to be the one that's actually making the determination as to what are the funniest aspects or segments from the episode since... Well, I'm the one who created the episode, so maybe I'm not the best person to determine what made y'all laugh, but I would have to assume that if something that I did is making me laugh, hopefully there's a good chance on the backside you guys are laughing as well. So we'll see how that turns out, but that's going to be a lot of work, a lot of episodes to comb through and then figure out time marks and where I need to grab snippets from. Also, before jumping into today's topic, I want to remind everybody that I mentioned last week on the episode with Whitney Nicole that I recently uploaded a video, very short three and a half, four minute video that's done in the format of the podcast of me talking about the second to last episode of Better Call Saul. It has, I mean, I guess you could say some spoilers, but not really any spoilers about the episode itself. It's more about the way that it was directed, but if anyone is interested in seen what it looks like as I'm recording the podcast, go to YouTube. You can search Jeff Becomes Jeff. That is the channel name. Or you can search my name, Jeff Schaefer, and Better Call Saul, and I'm sure it will pop up. Speaking of visiting me on social media platforms, don't forget that you can go follow me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Jeff Becomes Jeff. I would love for people to start following me and comment, letting me know, is there something funny? Is there something that happened to you? Is there something, a topic you would like to hear my weird mind delve into. It's sometimes difficult for me every week to come up with a new and hopefully unique topic for the podcast. So far, so good. Eventually, I don't know, maybe that well will run dry and then I'll just start rehashing shit. Who knows? But your suggestions and your follows and interaction with my pages would be greatly appreciated. You can also go visit my website, jeffschafer.com, J-E-F-S-H-A-F-F-E-R.com for more information about my original 
original music and my Etsy store. All right, so like I said, not a whole lot of updates to provide, so let's jump into the topic. I was today years old. So for anybody out there who does not know what that term means, it's typically used with memes or things online when someone found out something that seems so obvious and they realize, holy shit, I can't believe I just found this out. And they'll say, I was today years old when I found out yada, yada, yada. And whether it's things that we just simply do incorrectly or we make harder than they're supposed to be or things that we just simply didn't realize or know, like, for example, uh, the toilet paper roll. It's the constant debate of does the toilet paper supposed to go over the top toward the front or over the top toward the back and the wall? For all of you who say that it should go over the top and toward the back and you're supposed to retrieve it from behind the toilet paper roll, you would be incorrect. And if you say, well, how do you know? It's a personal choice. Well, because the design in the patent office when the toilet paper roller was first invented clearly shows the toilet paper going over the toilet paper and hanging off the front. You lose, you weirdos who hang the toilet paper off the back side. But we're going to discuss a lot of this today, so let's get into it. So, oddly enough, there's a lot of stuff when I did the research for this that is related to the kitchen. And the first thing we're going to discuss, the dishwasher, actually this is one of the things that made me think about the idea for this topic recently, because I don't remember where I saw or read something, but I was like, oh wow, I've been putting my dishes in the dishwasher incorrectly all of these years. And by that I mean that you're supposed to, like on the bottom rack, the center of the dishwasher is where all of the spraying and washing power happens. So I would normally just put all my plates in, all facing the same direction, until they filled up the entire row, but that is incorrect. You're supposed to face them in one direction toward the center, then the other side of the rack, you're supposed to face them in a row toward the center. So in the middle of the rack, you will have plates facing each other. Never knew that. Just like pre-rinsing plates, I've always been very adamant about making sure that things go into the dishwasher as pre-rinsed as possible. Because the idea is, well, now it's less work for the dishwasher to do, and certainly my dishes will get cleaner. Apparently, that's not the case. There are certain sensors in dishwashers that determine how much crap is on the dishes and will determine how hard it works to do the load so that it can be water-saving and efficient for you. But if you have pre-rinsed dishes, your dishwasher might think that your dishes are pretty clean already and not actually fully wash them. Additionally, by pre-rinsing all of your dishes, you're using way more water just doing the pre-rinsing than you would in a water-efficient dishwasher. So I guess, I don't know, I'll have to try this just not pre-rinsing my stuff. It seems kind of gross and yucky and goes against everything I've ever been taught or everything I've ever done, but I'm going to try it moving forward and see how that goes. Another thing I found about dishwashers that people commonly don't do correctly is they fail or forget to clean the filter in their dishwasher. Wait, there's a filter in my dishwasher? I didn't know that. I mean, I've had the same dishwasher for probably about a decade now. If, in fact, there is a trap or a filter in there that's catching shit, oh boy, that's going to be pretty gross whenever I discover where that filter is and attempt to clean it. I'm going to have to look that up, though. 
The last thing I found about dishwashers, yeah, I know, a lot of talk about dishwashers, but that people do wrong, and I do the same thing, is they close the door to the dishwasher completely when it is between cycles. Apparently, you're supposed to leave it slightly cracked, the reason being that because it is an area that is wet and, you know, uses water to do its job, by closing the dishwasher and leaving it closed, you're actually increasing the likelihood for mold to develop and grow inside of the dishwasher. Plus, the rubber seals around the edge of the dishwasher, those are supposed to be able to dry out, otherwise they will lose their shape and run a higher risk of cracking prematurely. So by closing the dishwasher, you force them into this shape before they have dried out, and you're just shortening the life of the rubber seals on your dishwasher. Again, not sure if I'm going to be able to bring myself to leave my dishwasher crack all the time, but at least I know that that's what I'm supposed to do. Now, while we're done with dishwasher conversation, as I mentioned, a lot of the stuff we're going to discuss has to do with things in the kitchen. Don't ask me why, but apparently that seems to be an area where people are just doing shit really wrong. But speaking of the oven, I only found this out, I don't know, maybe sometime in the last year, that the place where you keep all of your cookie and baking sheets and little pizza pans and things like that, you know, that little drawer underneath the oven where you're supposed to put all that stuff. Sorry, that's not correct. That is not a place for storage. That is actually a warming tray. That is where you're supposed to put stuff that you've taken out of the oven to keep it warm without continuing to cook it in the oven. Same thing would go if you want to reheat something. Instead of trying to put it back in the oven to reheat it, you're supposed to put it in the warming tray. And this will warm the food evenly and naturally without actually cooking it further. What? I'm sure a lot of you may already be aware of this because of all of the I was today years old memes that have been going around for several years, but I'm sure there's a lot of you out there that are thinking, oh no, now I gotta figure out where I'm gonna put my baking sheets. Again, I'm probably just gonna keep my baking sheets down there, but that's not where they're supposed to be. So now moving on to aluminum foil and plastic wrap. So if you've ever gone to try and retrieve plastic wrap or aluminum foil from the roll while it's in the box and then, you know, you don't grab it perfectly from the center and then the whole roll aside of it comes out and the saran wrap or the foil is all crumpled and messed up or it tears prematurely, there's an easy way to get around that. So on the sides of the box of aluminum foil and plastic wrap are these little tabs that you're supposed to push in before you start using what's inside the box. And these little tabs will act as almost like a spindle for the roll to stay put around as you are extracting the plastic wrap or the foil. If you didn't know that, you're welcome. Gonna be honest. Found that in my uh, show prep, in my research. I didn't know that. If you already knew that, you probably think you're an idiot. You would be correct. I am. Thank you for noticing. Another meme that has been, or I think it's even been more of a TikTok thing that's been going around pretty recently is regarding freezer pops. So those popsicles that it's just in a plastic tube and everybody's always so used to getting the scissors out, cutting the top of the freezer pop open, and then you kind of slide and push the pop out as you're eating it. But apparently if you take it straight out of the freezer, all you got to do is just grab it 
put some pressure in the center, and it will just snap open. And now you have two halves, which especially would be great if you have two small children. And instead of giving them each their own freezer pop, they could split one. But yeah, these things just break in half. That's what they're supposed to do, and I guess designed to do. But I've always, always been cutting them open. And then you end up with that sticky, messy residue on the scissors, which then you have to go wipe off. And now you have to worry about your scissors rusting like Edward Scissorhands. No, no, no. That's a terrible idea, son. Go to the garage and get the oil can. We don't want them rusting up on us now, do we? But yeah, freezer pops, just break them in half. Still in the kitchen, let's talk about the spaghetti spoon, the pasta spoon. You know, that little plastic spoon that's kind of cupped up and has a little hole in the center to drain the water through. And it's got these big rounded tines all the way around it. So it's easy to kind of scoop spaghetti out of the pot. Well, guess what? That hole in the center isn't really necessarily for allowing water to drain through. That is actually a measuring device so that you can measure one single serving of spaghetti noodles. So if you put the spaghetti noodles through that hole, that's what she said. You have just measured one single serving. I wish I would have known this a long time ago because I am the king of over making spaghetti noodles. Every time I think I need this amount, I end up with like three extra servings and the sauce ratio is nowhere close. So now I just have a shit ton of extra noodles and those don't keep very well in the fridge or reheat very well. So now that I know that, well, I can measure my spaghetti moving forward with my spaghetti spoon. Speaking of spoons and holes, have you ever noticed that your pots and pans all have like a hole near the end of the handle? A lot of people might think that's so that you can hang them on hooks like you're in an industrial kitchen. That is not the case. That is actually a place for you to put your spatula handle or your spoon, your wooden spoon or whatever through so that it is rested upright while you are not using it and whatever you are making is cooking in the pot or the pan. Didn't know that either. I'm going to try that though because I'm usually the guy that like I'll just rip off like a small portion of a paper towel and lay that on the counter so that I can put the spoon or whatever on top of the paper towel that way it's not touching the counter surface but apparently my pots and pans already have a built-in holder for my utensils so that kind of covers things that maybe we've been doing wrong all of this time I'm sure there's a lot more instances and examples of that that don't have to take place in the kitchen. For some reason, that is just the information that I extracted for this episode. But now I'm going to talk about things that we just didn't know or we didn't realize. Some of this may kind of be along the lines of you're doing something wrong, but it's more of like a holy shit, I didn't know that. What? Like, for example, the division symbol in math, a little line with the two dots on each side of it, what that actually is, it is a fraction line with the two dots representing the two variables. So like a two over a four, two fourths, which would be essentially one half, but that's like two divided by four. Same thing. What? I'm sure you've all heard the term break a leg when someone's like going out on stage to do a performance, which seems like such a weird thing. And it's always like, well, why are you telling that person to break a leg? Well, from what I could find, apparently back in the old days, in the old timey days, in theater performances, if a theater performance was really, really good, instead of clapping, the audience would stomp their feet loudly. Right foot, two stumps. 
Left foot, two stumps. To show their approval and appreciation for a fantastic performance. And when you tell someone that's going out on stage, break a leg, you're not telling that person to break one of their legs. You're telling them, go do such a good job that they stomp so loud and so hard that someone in the audience breaks their leg. So it's weird that you're actually telling them to go break someone else's leg. I did not know that. A lot of people might know this, but like Chinese food containers, like what you would get that they put like your rice and stuff in, you can completely unfold and open those up into a paper plate. So instead of having to transfer your stuff onto a separate dish, if you need to be able to eat your Chinese food and you don't have a plate, well, just open your rice container, put your meat or whatever else on top of the rice. Now you have a plate. Who wants Chinese takeout? I know a great place. I'll have the cream of some young guy. This one is something I found interesting. If you are making like mashed potatoes or any kind of potato that you would boil first, you do not need to peel the potato with a potato peeler, which that's always a pain in the ass. It's one of the things that makes me less likely to want to make mashed potatoes frequently is because I'm sitting there constantly peeling the potato. The potatoes are all dropping down in the sink. Now I got to clean all that out. It just takes a lot of time. But apparently if you just stick the potatoes with the skin, on into the water and boil them until the time that it would take to cook them and then you pull the potatoes out with like a spoon or something or tongs and you place them in an ice bath or really cold water for like 10 to 15 seconds just enough time to cool them down and skin it oh I forgot one step before you stick it in the boiling water you're supposed to just take a knife and run a very thin circular slit around like the center of the potato so then when you take them out put them in the ice bath and then you can just pick them up with your hands and the skins will just slide right off. I'm glad I remembered to point out that little slit step that you need to take because otherwise a lot of you might be out there trying to slide skins off of your potato going, Jeff doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. This is another one along the lines of peeling potatoes that drives me batty, which would be peeling hard-boiled eggs. I love hard-boiled eggs or deviled eggs, but my God, do I hate the peeling process. Well, apparently a technique that I saw someone do online that you take the eggs after you've cooked them for like, you know, 11, 12 minutes in the boiling water. You take them out. You put them in ice cold water with a teaspoon of baking soda. And this baking soda has something in it that changes the pH level and reduces the natural adhering properties inside the shell. Once you've done that, you then take the egg out of the water. You kind of just kind of tap it on a countertop on one end turn it over, tap it on the other end, just peel away a little bit of shell from each of those ends that you tapped, hold it up to your mouth, get another hand ready right below it and blow into it and the egg will just shoot right out of the shell, just slide right out. If you don't believe me, go look that shit up on YouTube or on the internets and you'll see it happen. It's pretty fantastic. No more hard-boiled egg peeling for me. I'll thank you. I'm gonna have to try that soon. While we're on the lines of peeling, I found out you're not supposed to peel a banana from the stem side. That's, you know, how we all do it. We hold a banana, we grab the stem part that's sticking up and bend it back and then kind of peel it down that way. But apparently if you do it the way monkeys have been doing it for hundreds of thousands of years, just naturally, intuitively, you're supposed to open it from the other end. You just kind of give like a little twist to the nubby side of the banana and then peel it from that side. And apparently it allows the banana to 
peel more evenly and naturally. I'm going to have to try that because I have bananas almost daily in the morning. Oddly enough, after doing my show prep last night, I had a dream that I peeled a banana in the new fashion, and it worked like a charm. Then today, when I had my morning banana, I completely forgot and just opened it the normal way. The wrong way. This is not something that I found in any research, but it's something that I think, once again, back to the kitchen, that people do wrong is they're maybe over-refrigerating items, like putting things in the fridge that don't belong in the fridge. Like, think about the food that you buy and the produce that you buy. Like, if you're putting apples and stuff like that in the fridge, you're not supposed to. Did, were they refrigerated when you bought them at the store? Were your tomatoes refrigerated? Were your jalapeno peppers or your green peppers or any of those refrigerated? Well, I guess some of those might be, but I think mostly they're just misted. But a lot of that stuff, you can just sit out at room temperature. That's the reason why the store is setting them out at room temperature. I assure you, the person trying to sell those items and make them last and be viable as and sellable as as long as possible, if they thought that making them last longer would include putting them in a refrigerated environment, they would do it. Same thing with if you buy a condiment, like some ketchup or mustard or mayo or something that you would tend to refrigerate after you open it, you don't need to refrigerate it until you open it. That's not what they do at the store. So quit over-refrigerating your shit, bozos. Now back to more shit that, well, I didn't know most of this stuff, so there's a good chance you don't know this stuff yet either. But the ampersand symbol, so what we use to indicate the word and, that symbol is actually what's called a ligature, which is where you join two things together like letters, and it is joining an E and a T together. That's what makes up the ampersand. E-T, et being the Latin word for and. So that's what the ampersand symbol means. That's why we use that as a substitute for and. Every time you use that, you're technically speaking ligature Latin. I have constantly been known to use the word buttload, a buttload of something. What I did not know is that a buttload is an actual unit of measurement. So based on English wine casks, so like barrels that they would keep wine in, there are different barrel sizes, one of those barrels being considered a butt, which holds 126 gallons of wine. So now you know a buttload is actually 126 gallons. Did you know that a turtle does not have a body inside of its shell? We all think of basically the shell is a protective area around its body. That is not true. The shell is its body. It is part of its skeleton. Yes, it does have organs inside the shell, but there is no extra body. As a matter of fact, the shell itself has nerve endings and the ability to bleed. So yes, the shell is the turtle's body. There is no body inside of a turtle's shell. Cartoons have been lying to us all these years. Another thing is an old classic painting called American Gothic. I'm sure everybody has seen this. It's where there's this farmer with these little round-rimmed glasses, and he's holding a pitchfork next to his wife in front of their farmhouse. Oh, wait, no, sorry. It's not his wife. That's his daughter. You sick bastards. I found out that the term film footage is actually a very literal term used because motion pictures are measured in feet of film used. Film footage. That's interesting. 
Did you know that breakfast is called breakfast because you are breaking a fast? It is the first time that you've eaten since you started a fast the night before. So you essentially fast while you sleep, and then when you eat in the morning, you are breaking that fast, thus breakfast. Did you know that if you replace the letter W with the letter T in where, when, and what, that you answer that question? Where? There. When? Then. What? That! Were you today years old to find out that the Hollywood sign in Southern California used to say Hollywood Land? It was a much longer sign. It was originally erected in 1923, not because they were trying to say, Hey everyone, look, it's Hollywood. It was actually an advertisement for a new housing development up in the Hollywood Hills. Over the next 25 years, the sign fell into disrepair and became dilapidated, and there were a lot of complaints about fixing the sign and replacing it, and finally as they did so, they decided to just remove the word land and only replace the letters Hollywood. If you were to go to the store and buy something and in the tag it said genuine leather, that would make you feel like, oh good, I'm getting a quality product here. Not necessarily. Actually, the term genuine leather in the sales industry implies that it is the lowest grade of leather that a company can use. Are you crazy? Am I? Or am I so sane that you just blew your mind? <laughs> it's impossible. Is it? Or is it so possible that your head is spinning like a top? It can't be. Can it? Or is your entire world just crashing down all around you? It is not necessarily a term of excellence. Did you know that when you flip a coin, it is not necessarily a 50-50 chance of landing on heads or tails? What? Matter of fact, scientific studies have proven that it is far more likely for a coin to land facing up on the same side that was facing up when you flipped the coin than on the opposing side. So if you are involved in a coin toss moving forward, be sure to pay attention if you're the one that gets to call heads or tails what side is facing up before the flip has taken place and and you will actually have better than a 50% chance of winning that coin toss. Does anyone know what the shortest sentence in the English language is? That's fine. I don't expect you to. I'm going to tell you. It is go. While being one word and only two letters, it is something that you can actually put a period after and call it a sentence. So there you go. There you go. There you go. Go. That's really short. Have you ever heard someone use the term jiffy? Like, I'll be back in a jiffy. Or have you ever told somebody that you'll be back in a jiffy? Did you know that the word jiffy is not some vague or arbitrary reference of time? In fact, in the world of physics, a jiffy is the time that it takes light to travel around one centimeter in a vacuum. Yes, I know that was very nerdy. Basically, it is approximately one trillionth of a second. That is what a jiffy is. It is an actual measurement of time. So my guess is anybody in the history of the planet that's ever said, I'll be back in a jiffy, they're blatant liars. They never made it back in one trillionth of a second. Do 
do you know what money is made of? I mean, that seems pretty obvious, right? Paper. Oh, sorry. Actually, money is made of 75% cotton and 25% linen. So your t-shirts and your bed sheets are much closer to money than anything you might ever stick into a printer. This is interesting. The number 40 is the only number in the English language whose letters are in alphabetical order. It's kind of a stupid fact to know, but I just found it interesting and it was part of the research I did, so I'm just sharing that with you. Maybe you'll need to know that when you're watching Jeopardy and you want to look smart if that question is ever asked. Were you aware that broccoli is not a natural plant? It is man-made. It was bred out of a wild cabbage plant to make the taste more palatable. Even though, you know, broccoli, not necessarily even after having been bred by men, not exactly the most palatable thing in the world unless you smother it in a shit ton of butter and cheese and salt and pepper. Then, yeah, I can choke it down. Sure, there's some people out there that just love broccoli. You're a bunch of sick freaks. A lot of people might know this or have learned this at some point in recent time, but those red plastic solo cups that are very popular at parties for putting drinks in, did you know that the little ridges, starting with the very first ridge near the very bottom of the cup, every single one of those ridges is actually a unit of measurement. If you start with the first ridge at the bottom of the cup and go up, they go one ounce, four ounces, 12 ounces, 14 ounces, 16 ounces, and 18 ounces. Then you just have, you know, the top of the cup. I'm going to say, fuck it. Go ahead and just give me 18 ounces of whatever's in the keg. You don't need to use those fancy measuring ridges on the red solo cup. But in a pinch, if you ever need to measure out ounces for any reason, and you happen to have some red solo cups somewhere in your house, and for some reason all of your actual measuring cups were damaged in a bizarre kitchen fire because your dishwasher exploded after you realized 10 years later that you had never known that there was a filter, well, there you go. You can use the red solo cup to measure fluids. We all know flamingos are pink, a very weird color for an animal. Not a whole lot of animals out there you can think of that are pink, but did you know that flamingos are not born pink? They are actually born gray. They only turn pink because of the shrimp they eat. The shrimp, so much shrimp. Shrimp kebabs, shrimp creole, shrimp gumbo, pan fried, deep fried, stir fried. There's pineapple shrimp, lemon shrimp, coconut shrimp, pepper shrimp, shrimp soup, shrimp stew, shrimp salad, shrimp and potatoes, shrimp burger, shrimp sandwich. Turns the flamingo pink. That is a lot of shrimp. I like shrimp. I tend to eat a lot of shrimp from time to time. Luckily, I don't think I've ever turned pink. But yes, eating too much shrimp will turn a flamingo pink. The last thing I will discuss that maybe you didn't know or didn't realize, and kind of along the same lines of colors and color changing like the flamingo, is that the Statue of Liberty is made of copper. So technically it's supposed to look shiny and coppery. That's how it started. We know it now as some weird bluish greenish kind of hue, but that is because of just like a penny that is, you know, very old. If you ever notice, it starts to become a dull bluish greenish hue, and that is from oxidization and a chemical process that happens when copper is just exposed to air for prolonged periods of time. But technically, the Statue of Liberty should look more like C-3PO. What are you doing? 
Oh, stop that. You're going to strain something. My neck. Then turquoise jewelry. I wonder if at any point in time, you know, they tried to upkeep the Statue of Liberty early on. Like, oh, we got to keep this thing spit polished and nice and clean and coppery. And then eventually we're like, this is a large undertaking. You know what? Bitch is just going to turn blue. Sorry, Statue of Liberty, but that's a lot of work. All right. So there's a lot of information that hopefully was useful, informative things that maybe you were today years old when you found out. Again, feel free to go to my social media pages at Jeff Becomes Jeff on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter if there's something that I missed that you were today years old when you found something out that blew your friggin' mind. Share it with me. Let me know. I will be happy to provide updates. I'm not going to do a whole other episode on I was today years old. Who knows? Maybe down the road when I run out of topics, I will do that. But I will be happy to include those and give a shout out to the person who bothers to take the time to go give me suggestions, any kind of feedback, any kind of follow. I'm lonely, people. I'm so lonely. All right. Thank you for continuing to tune into the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast. Until next time, I'm Jeff. And I'm Jeff. It's pineapple shrimp, lemon shrimp, coconut shrimp, pepper shrimp, shrimp soup. Shrimp stew, shrimp salad, shrimp and potatoes, shrimp burger, shrimp sandwich. Good night. Went to the devil and I prayed. And I showed him the mess that I've made And I cried and I cried and I cried a million times over But the devil just laughed in my face I went to the God of fire And said, can you turn the heat a little higher? Cause I've been burned and I've been burned a million times over Covered me with water So I went to the Lord of the sea Said won't you come wash over me Cause the roads and the ones Have been winding a million times over But she receded from Don't need to keep me alive Cause I've been born so many
lava and Then I covered him with water From the lady of the sea I told her you don't need to rescue me No more, no more Cause the roads and the woods have been winding But now I know Where I'm going